My name is Andy Feinstein, and I'm president of the University of Northern Colorado. Since the beginning of his presidency at UNC, Andy Feinstein has been working to implement a student-first approach. who discusses many initiatives through UNC that are there to benefit those attending UNC, the Greeley community, and the Colorado community. What does a student-first approach mean to you? You know, students-first is a, a very important concept in the university, and it's one of the five vision elements of our strategic plan. And at a high level, it means that we all exist to transform the lives of our students. It's something that we do in everything uh, at, at our university. It's about knowing and caring about our students, eliminating barriers to progress, and empowering students to realize their dreams. And if you recall, we have a strategic plan. We're rowing, not drifting. We're in the second phase. And Students First is really, in phase one, was about action and tactics. And it kind of created a foundational format for the strategic plan. And we focused on systems and structures and resources and put those into place. For example, we realigned enrollment management under student affairs. We revisited orientation processes and welcoming and coming activities for students in the, when they come back to school. We invested significantly in our partnership with Sodexo, and you might see that when you go into the university center. I had pizza there today. It was awesome. It's also about our graduation retention task force that we've created to ensure that students graduate uh, on time. And it's also about enhancing our data analytics tools and making decisions that are based upon data-informed decisions. Now in phase two with the Students First concept, we're making significant pro progress in strategic enrollment. We've moved strategic enrollment over to student affairs. We've also really focused on becoming a Hispanic-serving institution, and there's lots of programming and activities around that as well. And we're also, as I just mentioned, with our investments in kind of the student experience, just walking through the University Center and Campus Commons, you'll see some of the investments we're having in becoming a, a more students-first institution. So like all the changes with um, the university center, like the new restaurants and all of that stuff. Yes. Say. And also, what does it mean to be a Hispanic-serving university? On the Colorado Department of Education's website, it says that UNC is an emerging Hispanic-serving institution. And in Colorado, there are 14 universities that have earned the Hispanic-serving institution designation and 12, including UNC, that are emerging Hispanic-serving institutions. So a Hispanic-serving institution is a designation by the federal government that identifies us as having at least 25% of our undergraduate student population Hispanic or Latinx. We want to make it more than just about Hispanic enrolling institutions, and the, the serving part of that is so important. It's about ensuring that our Latinx Hispanic students have opportunities to thrive and succeed, just like all of our students here, that we have programs in place that support and help them and their families be successful here, and really become an institution of first choice for our Hispanic and Latinx community. And that's what we're doing. It's like trying to expand it a bit more to other Hispanic and Latinx communities like that aren't just in Greeley? Yes. How have you been working with your students on your initiatives? You know, I, I very much enjoy uh, working with students, being around students, and having an opportunity to engage with them. Just last week, I had a Pizza with the President event with Cedric Howard, who's our Vice President of Student Affairs and Enrollment Services. And once a month, we get together with groups of students and talk about important topics that uh, affect them on campus, learning about, uh, you know, what might be better ways to engage them on campus during the year, what are some better welcoming events to have, some retention strategies. So that's something I do every single month. I meet uh, twice a, s a semester with Student Senate, our student leadership on campus, and just listen and learn from them and share updates of what I'm working on, but really wanting to hear from the students about 
uh, their experiences at the university. We've got a number of organizations and committee meetings that I oversee, and I, I make sure that there's graduate and undergraduate students that participate in those. And then also just informal interactions. I'm going to have a an event at the end of the semester for student leadership at my house. I try to host regular events and meetings with students throughout the year in which I have an opportunity to hear from them and learn about their experiences being a bear. What has been the most rewarding part about being the president of the university? Well, since we're talking about students, it really, the most rewarding part of my job is being around students, listening and learning from them, finding ways to uh, help them realize their dreams. Coming up in about a month and a half, we're going to have graduation, which is commencement, which is one of the best couple of days of the year for me when I get to celebrate with students, you know, the culmination of all their hard work and share that with uh, not only the students, but their family and friends and loved ones. So, you know, that's probably the most rewarding part of my job is just being with the students, sharing in their excitement of graduation. I also like when we actually start a new semester and I get to help students move into the housing. And that's also very enjoyable for me too. I'll be out there with a grocery cart and I'll be pushing it around. And I, I actually walk in the in J lot and I, I just walk around the, the aisles and try to find someone who needs some help, you know, packing their, their suitcases or their clothing or their furniture and helping them move into their room. And along the way, I, I get to hear wonderful stories about where they're from and what excited them about coming to UNC and, uh, you know, why uh, why they chose us and what they're looking forward to in the in the coming year. So those are just great experiences that, that I, I get to share and I always look forward to those those times. Yeah, so like the experience of seeing the students from like their freshman year moving into the yes. dorm to then their graduation. So. Yes, and I, I'm in my fifth year, so... <laughs> Last year was the first year that I really had a number of students that were graduating that I knew from when they were freshmen, and it was nice to be a part of their whole learning experience at UNC. Some of them are back here. Some of them are now in graduate school here, or they've stopped by and continue to keep a, a relationship with me, so that's also very rewarding. It was like last year the first one because the other years before COVID. I know. That, stuff. that was very difficult, and how much I love being around the students. It was tough for all of us to not be able to experience people in person for a couple of years. Yeah. I'm so happy that that's behind us for yeah, the most part. For the most part. And like being able to actually be back in the classroom and be back to like interacting face to face. Yes, it's do wonderful. Do doing screen. what we're doing right now, right? Exactly. Just sitting in a studio and having a conversation is uh, something that I missed. So what has been the most challenging part? This year, probably the most challenging part of my job has been um, advocating for funding for higher education. It seems that every year we uh, we talk to the state legislature, we talk to the governor about the importance of investing in higher education. And I think that there's never been enough resources allocated to higher education. <clears throat> We're basically 47th out of 50 states in per capita funding in higher education in this country. And if we were just funded on par with our peers, we'd have an additional $40 million of funding for higher education. And imagine what we could do to support our students, our community with those kind of resources. So the greatest challenge is really conveying to our elected officials and the governor the importance in, in investing in higher education, the impact it has on our students, on their families, on our communities. And getting that message across has been a struggle. And we continue to fall behind in funding, you know, compared to other institutions in the United States, other, other states, higher education systems. And that's very frustrating to me and, and very challenging. Does becoming a Hispanic-serving institution kind of help a little bit with that? Or like I think it'll help. It will help in some regards. It mm -hmm. will certainly help, uh, I think, identify to our Hispanic and Latinx community that this is a place that, that they should call or could call home. And I think that's an important part. I think it also opens up some federal support, particularly around research and student success initiatives that could help us. And it really is going to help all of our students. And, and I think there will be some impacts and improvement, but not at the level that we need. We really need the state to step up and, and fund us appropriately, which has been, has been a struggle in the, in the five years that I've been here.
you know, taking the torch on from like the last stuff. It's just, you know, I'm very concerned about uh, affordability and I, I don't want to you know, make, uh, you know, price UNC out of our students and their families. At the same time, you know, we have uh, resource needs and challenges like every organization, every business and uh, every university. If the state is not funding us appropriately, you know, the challenges are is how do we ensure that our tuition and fees are also affordable at the same time and still deliver, you know, a quality educational experience. That's the challenges that we have. And that's why I think advocating for, for higher education, for funding has been so difficult. I know that you've been talking with um, like state and like people like that. Have you been working with students on? We have. In fact, last week we had a Greeley Day at the Capitol. Organized this for the last five years. We start out the legislative session with a Greeley, like a, a preview of what, what's going to happen at the Capitol throughout the year, what bills are going to be proposed and possibly passed. And then we also have a, a wrap-up at the end of the legislative session, which will happen in May. But during the session, we have a Greeley Days. And we didn't do that during the, the pandemic, but this is the first year it's been back in the last couple of years. And we brought students with us. And uh, we brought the mayor of the city of Greeley. We brought the city manager. We brought leaders from District 6, our high school and elementary school district, from the community college leadership there. We brought uh, leaders from the um, Greeley Chamber of Commerce and the Downtown Development Authority. And we went down to, to uh, the Capitol and shared the story of Greeley and why Greeley is an integral an important part of Colorado. And I think those students that were with us uh, got a great experience. And they also shared their stories and advocated for why it's important that, that the state supports higher education in Colorado and supports the University of Northern Colorado. So what are you hoping for the future of your presidency here? That's a great question. I mean, I, I've got a lot of work on the strategic plan. You know, I, I'm focusing on improving enrollment. We've seen some enrollment declines in the last couple of years coming out of the pandemic. So that's a priority for me. Continuing to have a, a stable a budget and be able to invest in programs and services that support our students is a priority of mine. And then we're building an osteopathic medical college. When I looked it up on Google, it said that osteopathy is a type of alternative medicine that emphasizes physical manipulation of the body's muscle, tissue, and bones. So thank you, Google, because I wouldn't have been able to figure that out on my own. So having a medical college at UNC is a, a very challenging uh, project. It, uh, it's going to require a lot of commitment and effort by the university and our community, uh, but it's going to happen. And I would love to see our first cohort of students. I was hoping that our first cohort of students would start fall of 2025, but it looks like it might be more like the fall of 26. I think uh, the impact of, of having a medical college at UNC will be incredible, not only uh, for our university, but for the city of Greeley, for the county, and, and for the state. And uh, that's certainly uh, a, a, a big focus of mine. Are you able to tell me a little bit about what that process has been like of trying to introduce a medical um, college into your Sure. It, it started when I first arrived here. My predecessor, Kay Norton, had been talking about the possibility of having a medical school here medical college. In the work that she was focusing on the last year of her presidency here, there just wasn't the synergy and the energy at the university and the community to do that. But it was a great idea. When I arrived, I kind of looked at the possibilities of this. And we were focusing on some other initiatives when I first arrived, primarily about stabilizing the budget and addressing resource allocation to the colleges. So it was kind of put on hold for a couple of years. And it wasn't until about two years ago when I had a conversations with a couple of the leaders in the, the local hospitals and also some of our closest donors who just kind of urged me to reconsider this project. And so we did. And 
spent uh, several months touring uh, the country looking at other medical colleges and their success, hired one of the leading uh, consultant firms in the country that specializes in medical college uh, feasibility studies. And, you know, I, I think I came to realize that this is a, not only a, a, it's possible, but it would be such a positive impact on our community uh, for healthcare services. Uh, and we got in earnest, started working on this about a year and a half ago, raised a little over $7 million, hired uh, our founding dean, who started about nine months ago. Uh, and, you know, we've been developing kind of the plan, the strategic plan for the, the medical college. We have a, an advisory board uh, working on basically the relationships of all the hospitals and healthcare facilities in Colorado to help us with clinical rotations over the next couple of years. So uh, lots of pieces that, you know, kind of moving, um, but a lot of work happening and a lot of great momentum. So we're very excited about this project coming to fruition in the next couple of years. Was there a lack of, like, um, medical colleges in Colorado? There is. There's only, right now there are two medical schools in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Anschutz Medical School, which is part of the University of Colorado system, and Rocky Vista, which is a private osteopathic medical college in Parker, Colorado. And those two combined are producing less than 400 residency or, or doctors a year. And more than a quarter of, I should say there's about 25% uh, of the unmet need of, of doctors in Colorado right now. And we can see with the, you know, the, the significant increase in population in Colorado, the number of doctors that are retiring, pressures that are being placed on our healthcare system. It, it's clear to us there is a significant need for more professionals, more doctors, more health care providers in, in Colorado. And we want to be a, a part of that. And we know that less than 400 doctors a year being produced in Colorado is not enough. Yeah, especially for how big the state is. That's right. Mm -hmm. So would you say that's also a part of the Student First initiative? These students are going to be, you know, coming from all over the country, but most of them will be coming from Colorado, and a lot of them will be coming from northern Colorado, and hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, graduates of our uh, pre-medical undergraduate programs. And, and I think it's just exciting to provide that opportunity for our students to also pursue their dreams of becoming a doctor and hopefully staying in Weld County and Greeley as well. So I do have one more question for you and that is if you could do a podcast what would you do it that is a great question i love to play disc golf and so i guess one podcast i would love to have is maybe like traveling the country and interviewing some of the uh the sports you know elite athletes and hearing their stories about what they've learned in life from playing disc golf or maybe yeah. some fun stories that they've had on the course uh, who they've met while they've been playing and what parts of the country that they've loved the most in playing disc golf so that might be one fun podcast I think another might be, I love to hike and I love to climb 14ers. When I spend time doing that, I meet so many interesting people on the trail who have a shared passion uh, of the great outdoors and, and hiking and climbing. I think it'd be fun to have a podcast where I interview uh, folks about their experiences hiking and climbing in Colorado, what, what makes that experience special to them, what they've learned, and maybe some interesting stories about who they've met on the trail. Now, that would be a hard one because usually when I'm hiking, I'm out of breath, so I might have to take a break and uh, interview them maybe at the top or maybe when they come back down the mountain. But I think it would be a wonderful way to, to, to learn more about people and their enjoyment of the great outdoors in Colorado, which is such a special part of, of my experiences here. Yeah, you're definitely in the right place for that. Yeah, indeed. And also, like, I mean, once it gets warmer, are you typically out there using the disc golf track? I will be out there playing disc golf as soon as it gets warmer. Today, as you know, we had a little bit of snow. Yeah. This was recorded last Monday, so when it, in Colorado fashion, snowed a couple of inches overnight. So that was super cool and fun. I am so ready for the warm weather. 
Uh, it's tough to play disc golf in the snow, but it will be short-lived, and I can see it's already melting off the sidewalks, and, and it's just the end of, you know, towards the end of March, so hopefully that was the last snowstorm that we've, we're going to have. But you never know. It's, it's, it's Colorado, and it's spring, so it, it could happen crazy. again. Yeah, but I, I'll be out there, and I also love to play besides this course. There's some wonderful disc golf courts, courses all throughout Colorado. Although it was intimidating sitting down with the president of the university, I did get to learn that he likes to hike and play disc golf. Thank you for tuning in to listen to Andy Feinstein talk about his implementations of a student-first approach at UNC, as well as his initiatives such as making it so that UNC is an emerging Hispanic-serving institution, and how an osteopathic school would not only impact UNC, but help Colorado as well. I'm your host, Isabella Marcus-Porter, giving you a taste of UNC.